Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone. Today I will be chatting with Josephine Altry. Josephine is an expert in meditation and mindfulness, helping thousands of people overcome adversity to find joy. A graduate of the University of Chicago, Josephine coupled her consulting background with her passion for total wellness to become certified as a meditation coach and teach corporate mindfulness. Plus, her experience creating her modern day family of seven children via in vitro fertilization, internal adoption, and surrogacy inspires her work as a highly sought after fertility and parenting mindfulness coach. Josephine also hosts a popular podcast called Responding to Life, Talking Health, Fertility, and Parenthood, where she interviews guests on their inspiring responses to life's challenges. Her parenting mindfulness expertise and fertility advocacy work has been featured in the LA Times, Mind Body Green, Motherly, Prevention, The Bump, Well and Good, and Women's Day. Josephine is the author of the book, Mindfulness Journal for Parents. Her new book, Five Minute Mindfulness for Pregnancy, was released just a few weeks ago. In today's episode, we talk about what mindfulness is, the difference between mindfulness and meditation, how to work mindfulness into your busy schedule, tips for staying focused during your mindfulness sessions, benefits of mindfulness, how to incorporate mindfulness with our children, and so much more. Let's dive in. Just a little disclaimer before we start this episode, this podcast does not provide medical advice. The information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material on this site is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Good afternoon, Josephine. I am really happy to have you here today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm so excited to be here with you. So I would love to start off, obviously in this episode, we're going to be talking about mindfulness, meditation, and how, you know, as mothers, we can try to incorporate this into our everyday life, which might seem pretty impossible to most people listening. It certainly feels impossible to me. As I was telling you, Josephine, before we started, I have tried and and been successful with this for short periods of time, but I always go right back into my busy life and then, you know, it goes to the wayside. But I do feel like it's very, very important. So can you just start off with telling us, you know, what does mindfulness mean? What does it mean to be mindful? Yeah, that's a great question. It it often gets mixed up with a lot of other things. So very simply, 
mindfulness is an awareness and it can be an awareness of yourself. So how you're feeling physically, mentally, emotionally, and then it can extend into an awareness of your environment, what's happening around you. And then further still, it can be an awareness of the people that you're interacting with in your life, you know, how, um, they are feeling if you're able to be aware of that and how you are interacting with them. So that that opens it up to a, a lot of benefits. Mm-hmm. We definitely can use this awareness in all parts of our life. Mm-hmm. And I want to come I want to come back to this just to mention something briefly, but first I would love to hear what you have to say about how, you know, being mindful and the definition of mindfulness differs from meditation. Yes, that is a wonderful question. It's one of the myths that I like to debunk. So if you think of mindfulness as sort of this overarching umbrella of awareness, there are different ways that you can cultivate your awareness. And one of those ways or modalities would be meditation. And they often get linked together. There's mindfulness meditation. There are different types of meditation. Mindfulness meditation is where you're using your point of focus and really being aware of what is happening to yourself in that moment. And underneath this umbrella of mindfulness, there are so many other ways that you can be mindful. So you can journal and that allows you to express yourself and become aware of perhaps some deep-rooted issues or feelings that may not be at surface level. You can be mindful through movement Many people think that mindfulness just has to be something where you're seated and not doing anything and you're completely still and your mind is clear, but you can actually be mobile and and be mindful. So an example of that would be yoga, which I include a lot in my, my new book, The 5-Minute Mindfulness for Pregnancy, because I recognize that there are a lot of people who might be intimidated, not able to do seated practices, and instead feel better doing things that require some activity. And that's okay. That, and there's so many different ways to be mindful. And so I made sure to include mindful movement like yoga or Tai Chi, where you're doing an exercise, but you're really tuning into how your body is feeling in the moment. Like, am I able to stretch a little further? Am I able to breathe into this position so I can really maximize its benefits? And then there are also visualizations that you can do. That's a type of, could be a meditation as well, but it's just a way for you to be mindful of how you're feeling and perhaps putting yourself in a, in a situation where you feel calmer or you feel more positive, or it can be a situation where you're trying to get your mind wrapped around something that may seem difficult or challenging, like pregnancy, where you visualize it. And that allows you to really tune in to all the different pieces of that process. And so you really have to be very aware. It's an exercise and awareness for you. And one last one that I will often go to and something that can be used quite every day and at any moment is breath work. Now it doesn't have to be maybe a lot of people hear about, you know, their classes on breath work or you're like doing fast breathing, but breath work can also mean breathing techniques. So doing something as simple as counting your breath or, you know, switching it into a certain pattern. And really all that's happening there is you're suddenly becoming aware of a part of your body, a system in your body, which is your breathing. 
because you are now tuned into whatever pattern you're trying to follow. But the beauty of that is that at the same time, you're also calming down your nervous system. And so, so those are all different modalities for mindfulness. And as you can see, it doesn't just mean meditation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's great. So I wanted to ask you, I know there's kind of been this, this push, or at least I feel like there has been maybe like within the last 15 years or so for mindfulness. I just feel like you kind of hear it everywhere now. And now I'm actually really excited because into my child's school, they've started implementing this like mindfulness class, which is new. Like my, my child's in second grade and when she was in kindergarten, they definitely didn't do it. So it's, it's something new there. And I think it was, you know, after, you know, everything with COVID, they wanted to try to like teach kids to like kind of de-stress because of everything going on. And so it was, it was wonderful that they started introducing that. And I just feel like it's more, you know, intertwined with our everyday than more than it has been in the past. And do you think that that has anything to do with just like this surge of social media and technology that we have, and we are almost severely deprived of just, you know, solitude in general, and we're just not aware of the things going on around us as much as we used to be, because I feel like we are using our phones, you know, whenever we have a free minute, oh, I'm, you know, sitting down waiting for a doctor's appointment. I have two seconds. I'm just going to pick up my phone and kind of like do everything I need to do on there. And instead of kind of being aware of your surroundings, oh, maybe I could start chatting with somebody in the waiting room, or maybe I could just take note of what's on the walls or, you know what I mean? I just feel like there's a lot less of that. And so it's almost like, there's been this surge in mindfulness because we're we're trying to like balance ourselves out. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. And we definitely are bombarded with so many things in our lives now, much more so than people in the past, right? Because we have so much that we can access within our fingertips, whether that's social media, the news, anything that's print, you know, our computers, you name it. We have access to it. And so it can be really tough to tune into ourselves when there's so many distractions. And sometimes it can feel better to just distract ourselves than to really dig deep and try to see what's wrong with us or see how we're feeling that day to try and figure out what we need to do. And it can feel, you know, once you start going through things like social media, you're getting these the feedback from your brain, like this feels good to me. So let me keep doing this, right? And so you keep going to that. But yeah, you're right. Because there has been definitely a surge in school systems. I have seven kids and I definitely have seen that they have started mindfulness like practices here and there, even down to kindergarten, which I, I just love. I like, I'm so happy when I hear about it when they come home from school. And it definitely is because of our current environment. It was happening before the pandemic, for at least for us out here in LA. And it just gives them tools because like I mentioned with, with breathing, it's something that you'll always have at your disposal, but something that we often don't know how to utilize, which is such a shame because, you know, it's within our grasp and within our power to move ourselves from any state of agitation or stress or overwhelm into a state of calm. And it's just something that we haven't really learned to do, right? We've learned, you know, breathing has just become this automatic thing that we take for granted, but it's so amazing if you're able to to just flip it a little bit and make it something greater where you can actually use it to your advantage to feel better. And it definitely has become more mainstream. I think that mindfulness in general, because 
now that people are seeing that it doesn't necessarily mean meditation and it, it can mean other things, it's a little bit easier for more people to grasp. So, I mean, I'm a big proponent of meditation. If Even if you can do it for a couple minutes a day, it's still to your benefit. You'll still see great results from it. But if there are other things that you can do as well to be mindful, well, then that just makes you have more tools in your toolkit. That's why you're seeing it more often in schools, I believe. Yeah, yeah. There is quite a bit of scientific research. I was going through some of it before we hopped on here. And I would love for you to talk about some of the benefits that one can see once they start, you know, using mindfulness or, you know, or meditation as a practice. Yes. So there's definitely a ton of great benefits. And one of them is living in the present. So, you know, we just touched upon it so much already about being aware of ourselves. And that helps us because if we are not, if we're not living in the present, then we're constantly living in the future, thinking about things in the future, or perhaps harboring, you know, things from the past that we just keep touching upon. But then we miss the beauty of what's happening in life, right? And then you'll find yourself like maybe a couple of days later, a week later, a month, year, where you realize like that whole time just sort of can't really remember because I wasn't in it. Like I was everywhere else except for living in the present. So that's one of the benefits. Another thing that I mentioned before was managing our stress any anxiety we have, any fears. There are many strategies that allow us to to do that. So whether that's breathing or if that's even journaling, you know, letting out all our fears onto paper. What's so great about that is that when you're able to be aware of what's happening to you, then you can take the next steps for how to care for yourself. Whether that means something that you utilize as as like a self-care routine, or if it means that you need to take a greater step, which is reaching out for help to a loved one or even someone from your medical team. If you're not aware though, the problem is you don't really know how to help yourself. You don't really know that you need help, right? You just are constantly going, going, going until at one point, like things just start to explode, And you don't really realize why, but that's because we weren't in tune to begin with. Another benefit is that, you know, it builds greater self-compassion, love, self-confidence, and it decreases any judgment that we have on ourselves. And that can be through sitting in silence and meditation. It can be through journaling. It can be through using a technique like affirmations where you repeat something to yourself that you're aspiring to that you may not believe. And then, you know, you can also in that same vein, you're shifting from negativity to positivity. So if you feel like you have a lot of inner critic voices in your head, this many mindfulness techniques can help you offset that and instead have like a personal cheerleader voice in the back of your mind that challenges these negative biases that we have, this inner critic, and can help you start to look at life through a different lens. Another benefit is that it cultivates gratitude and joy. And again, that can be through like gratitude practice. It can be through like a meditation where you're focused on gratitude. And then there are all the physical benefits that a lot of research has been done on this in terms of benefits to things like sleep. It definitely can improve sleep. I've had a number of clients who have told me that by utilizing various mindfulness strategies as part of their winding down routine, 
they're able to release some of that anxiousness that they have at the end of the day and it helps them ease into sleep better. Another thing that when we start to experience stress like so often and and just continuously, it can affect systems that we don't even realize. Because when we're in a fight or flight state, which is triggered by stress, then our bodies, they shut down all of these systems that aren't really important and instead are, are prioritizing our survival. So things like our immune system, our digestive system, and our reproductive system, those all get shut down when you're in a state of fight or flight. And so that's when you can start to experience problems with your gut health. You may feel like you get sick easier when you're really stressed out. So when you're able to manage your stress through mindfulness strategies, that all benefits in the end, those physical systems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And I'll actually link to in the show notes, I'll put just a few of that scientific research just so people can take a peek at it as well. I'd love to talk about, so for me, and I'm sure for you with seven kids, it just sometimes it seems like an impossible feat to try to even set aside 10 minutes to practice mindfulness. So can you kind of tell us what your suggestions are for, for people that might tell you, you know, Josephine, I, I definitely can't fit this into my day. What would your response be for that? Yes. And I can completely understand that scenario because I've been in, in your same shoes. My answer to that, and I've heard this this comment a lot, is that if you can start off with just a minute or two, maybe three a day, it's really more about the quality of what you're doing versus the quantity. And with that in mind, it's also repetition that's important. Because as you know, as we've taught our own children, that if you're trying to get good at something, you really need to practice every day because our brain is a muscle and it needs to practice and remember this new thing that we're trying to to do. And so if we're able to do it, even if it's just for like two, three minutes a day, then we start to create these bigger neural pathways that helps us access calm much easier as we keep doing it. And if you do something like a breathing exercise and perhaps even use that as the foundation for like your meditation and it's two minutes, you'll already start to feel calm in a matter of seconds because you're slowing down the rate of your breathing and you'll start to feel your your heartbeat not racing. Maybe when you get anxious or, or stressed out, you start to sweat. So then you'll start to feel your body cooling down. And so that all can happen in under a minute because you're manipulating your breath and making it seem like you're calm now. And so then you become calm. And so that can happen in two, three minutes. So if you're able to do that every day, you're able to build upon this ability to access calm. And so it sounds simple. I know it sounds simple just saying that, right? But there are some tricks to doing it as a busy mom. So for example, um, you know, as as I increased the number of children that I had, I really had to give one, give myself grace. And I had to be two, I had to be very flexible. So it may not look like how you want it to look or what you see on social media or see from other people or read about, it needs to fit into your lifestyle. So it 
you know, give yourself grace as you try to make it work into your schedule. And it may not be perfect and it may not feel good every time. Like you may have all these expectations, but a third tip to that would be to drop any expectations and just allow whatever happens to just happen and unfold for you. And so when you approach it, let's say that you're driving, right? You're carpooling and you can do a breathing exercise while you're driving and that helps you tune into your body. Or if you have to sit there and wait for your kiddo to do whatever it is that they're doing, instead of like scrolling through your phone, maybe take a couple of those minutes and dedicate that to yourself and to your self-care where you're doing a breathing exercise or you can do an audio voice memo uh, as a journaling exercise or you can sit and do a visualization, like visualize yourself in your happy place or even do a guided meditation. We have so many like apps out there where someone can actually guide you and you won't feel like intimidated about the idea of trying to do a meditation on your own. So there's so many ways that you can incorporate into your lifestyle. So for example, with another example is with my my little ones who are just turning one this week, I had to, I had to kind of change it because I had a very solid practice before they were born, but the moment they arrived, it got thrown up into the air. And so I had to start doing my meditations as I was, you know, as I was putting my six-year-olds to sleep. I had to do my breathing exercises while I was feeding the babies and using that time to slow down, not scroll on my phone, to like have a physical connection with my child while I'm doing deep breathing. And those were very mindful moments for me. But was that the way I was doing it before they were born? Absolutely not. I was doing like my 20 minutes, the beginning and end of each day. But we need to be flexible and change up, let go of those expectations and give ourselves grace so that we can make it work for ourselves. Otherwise, you're going to get frustrated. And I know I was, I was getting frustrated at the beginning thinking, oh my God, I'm like this coach. This should be totally working for me. But once I did those three things that I'm suggesting to you, then it became easier for me to to create a new practice for myself until I could get back to my old practice once time allotted for it. So, you know, expectations are just so heavy for, for moms, I feel, because they're, you know, we're inundated with these ideas and these things that we see on social media and the news and, and even from our upbringing of like what we're supposed to be doing as moms, how we're supposed to be doing it. And that is just, it puts a lot of pressure and stress. So unnecessary. And if we can let that go and try to do things the best that we can, given our, our unique situation, then the outcomes can be so wonderful you for you but just very tailored to you, right? Yeah, no, I like how you're kind of, you know, you're, you're giving us these examples where it's, you're doing it as you're also doing motherhood, you know? And I think that that sounds really feasible, especially to me, because, you know, if I'm driving, I mean, I'm driving, what else am I going to be doing? If I can throw in a couple of breathing exercises and just being mindful of what's going on, instead of kind of like letting my mind go through the 80 things I need to get done that day, It's going to benefit me in the long run. This podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. 
you can log in and send a message to your therapist at any time. I know that it is important to be able to connect with your therapist, so BetterHelp allows you to change therapists if needed, free of charge. I want to destigmatize asking for help. It can be hard, especially as a mother, to admit that we need therapy, and I want it to become more of a norm rather than a rarity. Every single one of us could benefit so greatly from talking with a therapist and talking through whatever it is we may be working through. I made that decision last year in 2021 to reach out to a therapist, and it was one of the best things I have ever done. To have someone to confide in and talk through stressors and how to work through certain difficulties in our lives is priceless. The advantage of BetterHelp is that it is something you can easily schedule online with a video or phone session, and you don't need to travel to an appointment, saving you time. It's also more affordable than your typical offline therapy, and they also have financial aid available as well. If you want to try it out, my listeners can get 10% off their first month with the link in my show notes. That website link is betterhelp.com slash Lindsay, and that's capital L-Y-N-Z-Y. Again, 10% off your first month of therapy at betterhelp.com slash Lindsay. Let me know if you try it. I would love to know your thoughts. I wanted to ask you as well, mindfulness is something that I find very attainable. Meditation for some reason is not, and I'm I'm sure you probably hear this all the time. I don't know what it is. It's just kind of, it's intimidating, I feel like, because it's hard to, to shut off your brain, you know? And I, I think this especially pertains to moms who are going a million miles an hour and, and thinking about all the things that need to happen, you know, within the next hour, within the next day, within the next week. And it's hard to shut the brain off. But I feel like that's the reason why it's ever so important to do so. Do you have any tips for, for getting your mind to be able to kind of shut off of it easier? Or, you know, what can we do for that? Yeah, that is a great question. And I hear that all the time. You know, learning to sit with ourselves is really hard, especially as as parents. We live in these really scheduled lives, sometimes too scheduled, and we have so many things that we're juggling. So this idea of just sitting and doing nothing seems contrary to like what we should be doing and how we can be effective <laughs> as a and successful as a parent. But it's really in these quiet moments that you'll start to see that you can really figure out what's happening within you and achieve clarity. And that actually is to your benefit because then it helps you be more effective in all the other things that you're doing. I don't know if I'm sure many of you can relate to this where you're, you're running around, you're doing like a thousand things seemingly at once, but you kind of at one point like reach this moment where you're sort of just standing there and you're thinking, Oh my God, what was I doing? What were all these things that I needed to do? And, and it's because you're just like, you're just going, going, going. You're like on autopilot, but you're multitasking and there are just so many things, right? But if you had taken a moment to just like stop, pause, hit the pause button. That's what I call it. Take a few deep breaths to center yourself, to make yourself feel calm again. Then, like, then you can kind of see things clearly and hopefully remember, like, okay, well, I was doing this and I need to do XYZ, but I'm going to do this 
one thing, each, each thing on its own. And then you kind of feel like you can come up with a plan. But when you get to a point where you're just so agitated, it's really difficult to feel like you can figure out what your next steps are. That's one of the reasons why people feel like meditation is so hard. And the other thing that you mentioned before I kind of give some tips about how to manage this process is that our minds like to, they like to wander and we like to have a lot of thoughts. But the reality is we have thousands of thoughts that happen in our mind. So the idea of just turning off our mind completely is not really, is not realistic. Instead, what we're trying to do when you sit down to do a meditation is you're practicing sort of what happens when a thought does come in. So you're sitting there and you're breathing and your focus is your breath. All of a sudden you remember you need to buy some eggs because you're all out. And then you're suddenly distracted and you think to yourself, oh my God, I suck at this. I should not even be doing this. It's a waste of time. And then you don't know what to do next, right? And so when that happens, acknowledge that task item. So acknowledge, okay, I need to get eggs. And you can even label it as like, okay, that's a task. And then if you're if you're really into visuals, you can imagine yourself in your mind with your eyes closed, like pushing that thought away. And at the same time, or even just saying, okay, thought, I acknowledge you. I'll get back to you when I'm done taking care of myself right now. And then going back to your point of focus. So if it's a breath or your mantra, whatever it is. And in this whole process, not judging yourself, like that is a big tenet of mindfulness is trying to release judgment. And so what's going to happen though, is it's going to keep happening. It's like this roller coaster. So you'll get back into your breathing. It'll be great. And it'll be like, okay, I can do this. And then all of a sudden you hear a sound. You're like, oh my God, what was that? And then you get distracted again. And so then you have to keep repeating that process. But here's the thing. So why even do this, right? Why even sit in silence for a couple of minutes if this is what's going to keep happening? But the beauty is that this is what happens to us in real life. You know, we're trying to do something, whether it's something, say something with your child. And then all of a sudden a distraction comes in. Say your phone dings and you get distracted by that, but you need to get back to whatever it is you were doing with your child. So by practicing this sort of dance in your meditation, you're able to utilize that strategy in real life whenever you get distracted. So it's, you know, it does benefit you in everyday life because it helps you to get back on track, to stay focused and at the same time, it's, it's an opportunity for you to, to be with yourself, to give yourself a moment of nourishment, to calm yourself. So that's, that's what's happening with the whole thoughts thing. And so when you have that in your brain, that this is the expectation of what's going to happen, like that this is normal and it's okay. And if this happens to me, I'm not doing it wrong. I'm not a failure. I can keep trying. Then that helps you out. You know, like I think... It's when we have these unrealistic expectations that really can mess us up. But if we already know going in that, well, this might happen, it most definitely will happen, but I have a plan now for how to manage it. So that will totally help you out. And another thing is that when you feel yourself getting stressed out about this whole process, like as you're doing it, you can, again, utilize your breath 
to, I like to use an extended exhale. So when I feel myself getting worked up, I will just like breathe out for like almost like eight seconds. And when I'm breathing out for a really long time, very slowly and methodically and intentionally, I'm attaching all the stress that I feel, everything that's weighing me down or that I no longer need to hold on to. I'm pretending that it's going out with my breath. And so that when I breathe in again, I can feel lighter, like there's more room for the good stuff because I'm letting out all of that bad stuff. So, you know, those would be my tips of letting go of expectations, setting setting more realistic ones since now you know that you're going to have thoughts and now utilizing that plan for what to do with thoughts and not associating yourself with those thoughts and then breathing it out. I think those are like three tips that can totally help you out when you are trying to sit in meditation, but you feel like you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are to, you know, do this, say, say you set aside five, 10 minutes every day to just sit there with your awareness and, and, and be mindful and just trying to clear out thoughts and you do it for, I don't know, weeks, months, does it get easier? You know, does it like, so say, you know, when you first start, it's like, you can't go five seconds without having, <laughs> having another thought, but you know, the, the more you do it, is it one of those things where you notice yourself, oh, wow, I can go two, three, four, five minutes without having to redirect myself? Mm-hmm. Yes. No, it does definitely get easier because like I mentioned before about how it just takes practice, it definitely becomes, here's how it becomes easier because you know the steps, right? You know what to expect. So all of those things that happened when you were first starting, you have kind of figured it out at this point. but The caveat to that is that every day is different. You know, when you wake up one day, you may wake up on today feeling amazing and you're feeling like, okay, I have got this week. But tomorrow you may wake up and you may feel like really not so great, you know, and that just came out of nowhere. And so your meditation yesterday when you were feeling great probably will be amazing. But then on this day, the next day, when you're not feeling so great, it may be a little bit tougher. Mm -hmm. And that can happen to anyone, even if they've been practicing for years. You know, that certainly happens to me. So we have to always keep that in the back of our minds, that it really can vary and it can look different every day, no matter how long we've been practicing. And that's where that whole judgment piece, we always need to remember that because the moment we start judging ourselves and the experience and how maybe we think we're doing it wrong or right or whatever, that's what can lead to us not wanting to do it again. But if we can approach it with just this idea of being flexible and knowing that things can change and will definitely look different each time, then it makes it a lot easier for us to do it and just be open to whatever happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So I have a I have a few more random questions for you to jump into, but I wanted to ask you first if you wanted to add anything to this to this first part of this discussion here. No, I think you asked some great questions and I feel and I hope that the listeners like have feel like they have sort of some guidelines for what to expect when they mm-hmm. first start. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the first question I wanted to ask you is okay, so say you are 
you've never practiced mindfulness before, never practiced meditation before. So this is one of your clients, Josephine. So the person comes to see you, they're stressed, they're anxious, and they just want to introduce this into their life. What is it? What would it look like? Like, what would you tell this client? What would you tell them to start with? Like, what time frame would you have them start with? Would you have them just starting, you know, in like a seated position? Or would you have them ease into it by doing something with more movement? I mean, obviously, this probably varies, you know, individual to individual, depending on, you know, how they feel. But what would your suggestions be to somebody who's just starting this type of practice off for the very first time as far as, you know, time per day and, and what it might look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. So I think I would ask this person first, I would lay out the different types of modalities that we went over at the beginning of the of the conversation, and see what they initially feel drawn to and start with that because, you know, they need a little bit of buy in and some excitement and some interest in what they're going to be starting. So if they decide, like pick a couple of things, right? So if they like journaling, great. If they are into trying meditation. Great. So we'll start with those. And what I'll ask them to do is, you know, start pick like a time anywhere from like one to five minutes that they feel comfortable starting with. Usually whatever feels manageable is best because you don't though, what you don't want to do is pick something like too long and then feel like you, you messed it up. You couldn't do it. And then you don't want to do it ever again. So anywhere from one to five minutes is great. And then for that week, figuring out a time in your schedule where this would be realistic. And often I like to, I suggest that people tie it into something that is already an existing ritual because that just ensures greater success for you. So for example, if you always brush your teeth in the morning or brush your teeth at night, figuring out, well, what time of day would you like to do this? Do you want that extra boost in the morning to sort of clear your head and sort of give you like the right foot to step on? Or do you want something that will help you at the end of your day to sort of calm down and wind down and be reflective? So based off of that, we'll pick the time of day. And then from there, we'll find that ritual that's already existing and tie it to it. So you would either do your the modality that you chose before or after that existing ritual. And so that is how you can set yourself up for success for that first week. And then in tune with this whole idea of awareness at the end of the week, just taking a moment, and maybe that is even your exercise for mindfulness exercise for that day, is to just evaluate. How did everything go? Like looking at each, hopefully, if you have the ability to make a quick note in a journal or something, of like how each thing went, especially during that first week, or leave yourself a, a voice memo or, you know, an email to yourself, even just about he, how each day went. Like even just a quick thing where you say, well, that was hard. Sitting with, my, with myself for two minutes was difficult because I had all these thoughts. Or writing in the journal was was great. I didn't even realize this was in the back of my mind. So something like that. And then at the end of the week, you can look and see, okay, like this is what happened. And like that kind of energizes you for your next week and helps you come up with a plan for next week of like, maybe you want to keep trying with the journal. Maybe you want to keep trying with the meditation or maybe back off on it a little. But that type of awareness is what I'm talking about, which helps you come up with next steps because it gives you clarity about what's happening to you. And so that's how I would start it out. And then from there, you know, once you've gotten the hang of it, 
with that certain amount of time, then you start to add another minute and then another minute. And then soon it can be up to like 10, 15 minutes that you're doing it and you've established a practice for yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, is there a better time of day that you typically suggest for people to practice this? I mean, obviously, you know, whenever you can do it would be the first answer, but is there like, have you found that there's a better time of day to do it? Well, I, I, touched upon it before. So it depends on what you're looking for from it, right? So if you do it in the morning, then you're setting up almost like it can be like setting a roadmap for how you want to feel for the rest of the day, because this is how you're starting your day. If you do it, say at work, because I lead many like corporate meditations where they bring me in for like lunchtime, then it's a way for them to, um, take a quick break and perhaps they're getting like overtired and you know, their mind isn't clear. It's a way to sort of hit the pause button and to gain some clarity and awareness. And so that way for the second half of the day, they feel more refreshed and more energized. If you do it at the end of the night, again, I mentioned if you have things like sleeping problems or you get sort of like overwhelmed at the end of the day, or even if you want to use it as your time for reflection, it is definitely helpful to for easing into sleep. So then you would want to do it at the end of the day. But if you know yourself, that's the other thing. And you'll start to see these patterns pop up if you make quick notes that if you leave it to the, towards the end of the day and then it just doesn't happen, then you may decide, you know what? I'm going to have to do it in the mornings or in the afternoons. So you really have to just, that's why it's it's beneficial to keep tabs on yourself so that you can figure out really what's ideal for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I know you had mentioned earlier on that, you know, there's all these apps out there and they're quite overwhelming because there are so many of them, I feel like now. And, you know, you'll see ads for them here and there. I guarantee you, because I'm I'm recording this podcast. I have my phone on Do Not Disturb, but it's over in the corner over there. But I swear, the second I go over to it later on, I'm going to have probably meditation app ads. But anyway, so are there any in particular that you have suggested to, to, to clients or that you have found to be better than others? Yeah, that's a great question. I do have some on my YouTube channel. If you look up Josephine at Learning Meditation, and then I do have some online courses that sort of pair with my book where I do guided meditations for people. But I always recommend if you're looking for a free one, there's Insight Timer, which just has an insane amount of free meditations. And then there are also paid workshops and all these other things. But if that feels too daunting for you to go through, then there are other ones that might be a little bit easier for you to sort of navigate through. Popular one is Calm, which I've tried out. And if you have kiddos, they have great like stories as well if you want to involve your kids in it. And sort of like bedtime stories with a very calm voice. And they also, I think, have some kids meditations in there. I received my training with Unplug Meditation. And so they have an app as well. And I like theirs because they have a bunch of different they have a bunch of different meditation teachers, like so many different ones. I myself am on there as well, doing leading people on infertility meditations. And so they have a bunch and you can like go through and pick based on amount of time, or you can just have like just straight music and, and then just have a timer. And then there's one that's dedicated just to moms and women who are pregnant called Expectful. So there are a bunch there. And then there are also like, 
actual like platforms where you can connect with teachers if you're looking for that like next step if you want someone to actually guide you in a private meditation which is something that I do as well and I also will be teaching with Standard Dose which is based off of New York and they are building this online portal but you're right (laughs) I can keep going (laughs) I can keep recommending so many but those are all ones all the ones I've mentioned to you I've tried and I have enjoyed Okay, great. Excellent. I will put a link to all of those into the show notes as well. How long does it typically take for one to start to see benefits from this? So, you know, I mean, I know you can't give us, you know, specific, but you know, with your clients, like what have you seen with them? You know, like how, how long does it often take for them to say, Oh, you know, Josephine, I've, I've started to sleep better. I've started to feel less anxious, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With the breathing techniques, if you're doing that, you're feeling benefits right away. Right from your first time, probably, hopefully. And then if you continue on, like I've done seven day meditation challenges, which I have on my Instagram, like TV account, where it's like seven days, five minutes each. And it's like a different topic each day. And with that, I always check in at the end of those challenges to see how people are doing. And I've heard a lot about improvements in sleep and improvements in overall mood. So it can be something as short as a week. And with others who are very consistent with it, you know, a few weeks and they've been able to build upon their practice, making it a little bit longer, where they really start to see shifts in their overall life. So every little big moment, every little (laughs) moment, you you experience something. Yeah. 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 All right. So this is my last question for you. So how can we introduce and practice mindfulness with our kids? You know, like if, if our kids don't yet know what mindfulness is, what are some ways that we can, you know, maybe even practice it with them? What would you suggest? Uh Well, with my teenagers, that's something that through me, like we'll do it at bedtime and at least when they were younger. And so now they know when they're feeling like just they're running too hot and that they need it or they're getting too stressed at school. And so they'll just ask me for help with that. One thing that we do as a family, and it's a type of being mindful and being aware for yourself is to list out your gratitudes at the end of the day, or we used to do it during dinner. Now we do it at the end of the night. And then they can also tell me like something good or something bad that happened that day. It doesn't always have to be good stuff, right? And so that's a form of really taking a moment to pause and be aware of what's happening with yourself. And then for the little ones, so I mentioned I have six-year-old twins. So with them, when they were much younger, they would just see me. <laughs> they would see me practicing. And for them, like that was their way of normalizing like what meditation and mindfulness is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we, you know, like it or not, we're models for our children. And whether or not they realize it, whether they're like looking at us for cues on what to do. So, you know, when someone has a tantrum, like one of the little ones, I will just start, you know, I'll just start breathing deeply so that they can start to mimic that. And then I'll even tell them, like, I, let's, let's take some, a few deep breaths. I know that you're feeling, you know, acknowledge, making sure to acknowledge like how they're feeling and that you want to help them, but that we need to be able to express ourselves. So if we can take a few breaths, then you can really tell me what's happening. And, and that has really worked well for them. And so now I'll just see them, for example, when they're getting frustrated with their Legos, (laughs) one of them is just doing deep breathing because he's getting really mad and he like can't 
like he doesn't have the orange thingy to like yeah. pry them apart. <laughs> but when I see that, I like my heart warms because I'm like, okay, they are internalizing it. They've been watching, they've been listening, even though sometimes it doesn't even feel like they're listening. And then down to the, my babies, right? They're too little to understand what's happening, but they're crying. And I myself am starting to feel worked up because I don't know what's wrong or how to help them or make them stop. I'll just start deep breathing myself and I'm usually hugging them. Right. And so that connection, like they can feel my body starting to soften, starting to slow down. And over time, like by soothing them, I, they start to do it themselves without even using so many words. Cause they don't really understand if I were to say like, take a deep breath, you know, so we're doing that together. And so my hope is that they'll be my little experiment is that they will start to do that for themselves as they get older. So there are so many different ways that you can incorporate mindfulness with your children. And, and like I mentioned before with the apps is that, you know, there are so many different apps that also have things for children. And so you can also do that. And they're very short and they're usually like breathing exercises, you know, nothing too, too crazy for them that they won't understand. So I've I also tried that with my kiddos. Yeah, no, that's great. So I love how you mentioned, you know, the modeling. I just wanted to mention this because I was just talking about this with my husband right before we got on this recording. And so I don't know if you've ever heard of Love and Logic. They have this website. It's for parents, educators, trainers. They have webinars and they're a great resource for parents. And so I, I have their newsletter. It's like a free newsletter. They send you like free tips like throughout. I think it's just once a week that you get one. And so there was an email that had come through and I had sent it to my husband and it's just a small paragraph. I just want to read it because what you had said, it kind of hits the nail on the head. And it's not just with, um, you know, practicing mindfulness, just with like modeling for our children in general. That's so important. So it said modeling is one of the most powerful tools for teaching social and emotional coping skills. A powerful form of modeling takes place when our kids overhear us talking about our values, or in your case as well, just practicing your values and showing them to your children. So young people are almost always more interested in what they can overhear than what we provide them in a form of a lecture. Kids can learn great lessons about coping with tough emotions temptations and conflicts by overhearing us verbalize positive self-talk. So I, it was funny because it kind of came full circle there when you mentioned it. I was like, oh my gosh, I was just reading about this. And it's, it's so true. And it's something that, you know, we, we really try to do every single day with our kids. It's like, it's almost, you know, whatever you're trying to teach them and kind of lecturing them on, if you just do it in your everyday life and, and practice those things, they're what they're visualizing and what they're taking in is sometimes much more powerful than, you know, what you're, you know, what you might've said to them the day before or last week about that same topic. So I also wanted to mention too, I, we had tried, I was just trying to find it. There's um, I'm sure you've heard of it. It's like, it, it's like this yoga cosmic kids or something like that. Cosmic kids mm -hmm. yoga, I think are my kids and I have done that. Some nights nice when, when everybody like seems to be on edge, you know, everybody's yelling at each other. I don't know what's going on. And I'll be like, okay, we're all going to go do yoga in the living room. And they're all like, yeah, yeah. So we go in there and just the calming voice and, you know, just like the moving around and they're all focused. 
and it's like a great way to kind of reset. So I just wanted to kind of give that tip out there that I've, that I've done in my house that's worked a little bit. So I think that's it. I do have two more questions for you, but they're unrelated to the episode. It's two questions I always ask all of my interviewees, but is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to mention? Uh, no, well, I do have, yeah, I do have a mindfulness journal for parents that people can check out on Amazon. And then I do sell an online companion course. If someone feels intimidated just by like trying to do any of the meditations in the book, I, uh, there, I'll guide them in this online course at self-paced with video meditations. And it is there, it does include some exercises that you can do with your kiddos. So that's always great. Perfect. So the two questions I have for you, the first one is if you had advice for moms, just one piece of advice that you could give them, what would it be? Oh, so many. I don't want to get one. Uh, Just one. (laughs) I will go with being kind to myself and being kind to yourself because, you know, that is something that I have had to work on throughout the years and definitely through the different seasons of life, especially as we added children. And that's something that tends, at least for me, and I feel like a lot uh, with many people, that's something that we forget to do when things get so busy and we feel all the... So just remember that you need the kindness and that it will actually help you by taking that time to be kind to yourself. It will help you become a better parent. Yes. Yes. The next question is if you could make, now this will be an interesting answer because you have seven kids. If you could make one meal for your entire family that everybody will eat, that is relatively quick and easy. What would it be? (laughs) So, so my background actually, (laughs) I actually like stopped being a, I was a management consultant out of college. I, I quit and I went to cooking school. So I was trained as a classical French chef oh. and I did it for many years before the kids were born. And so my husband, he was just joking about this the other day. I was like, I got the bait and switch because like my wife said that she, she went to cooking school and all this stuff. And now she doesn't cook anything. <laughs> I don't, I hardly cook anything, but that happened like maybe once we had, numbers after children number five like came around and so um but my answer to this would be mac and cheese because with all that training they would rather just eat simple things (laughs) but the beauty of mac and cheese is that based off of the age like i could gussy it up to make it more interesting for the older ones so like i'll like crush you know bacon bits on top for the older ones and like do other things whereas for the babies and they're starting to eat that now like it just has to be so simple but you can definitely change it up for whoever is in front of you but that would be my answer (laughs) Yeah, no, I hate it. I've had people say McDonald's or Wendy, you know, any fast food. So <laughs> no, it's perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much, Josephine. I know you're busy with, you know, life and work and all of those things. So thank you for taking the time out of your day to chat with us. This was great. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun conversation. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes on lindsayandco.com. To continue these important conversations, head over to Motherhood Meets Medicine on Instagram. Let me know what you learned from this episode and who you would love to hear from next. I always love getting feedback from you. If you're finding value in this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend.
This will help us to reach even more women from around the world. I'll catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug, unwind, and have a little fun. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.